0: I I don't O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Monday, May 3rd. Journey with me through the entire Bible in one year, focusing on the Biblical calendar, the Sabbath, the feasts, and the Torah reading cycle. We have many voices, interpretations, and points of view out there, but there is nothing like listening to the crystal-clean, pure Word of God in your life. It is living water for your spirit. So then, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Romans 10.17 When we listen to the spoken Word of God, it is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews 4.12 The word of God is alive, it is powerful, and it renews our mind and builds up our spirit. As it is written in Isaiah 55.11 So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Bread Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Bahar, and it means on the mount. Leviticus twenty five, twenty one to forty. I will ordain my blessing for you in the sixth year, so that it shall yield a crop sufficient for three years. When you sow in the eighth year, you will still be eating old grain of that crop. You will be eating the old until the ninth year, until its crops come in. But the land must not be sold beyond reclaim, for the land is mine. You are but strangers resident with me. Throughout the land that you hold, you must provide for the redemption of the land. If your kinsman is in straits and has to sell part of his holding, his nearest Redeemer shall come and redeem what his kinsman has sold. If a man has no one to redeem for him, but prospers and acquires enough to redeem with, he shall compute the years and since its sale, refund the difference to the man to whom he sold it, and return to his holding. If he lacks sufficient means to recover it, what he sold shall remain with the purchaser until the jubilee. In the jubilee year it shall be released, and he shall return to his holding. If a man sells a dwelling house in a walled city, it may be redeemed until a year has elapsed since its sale. The redemption period shall be a year. If it is not redeemed before a full year has elapsed, The house in the walled city shall pass to the purchaser beyond reclaim throughout the ages. It shall not be released in the jubilee. But houses and villages that have no encircling walls shall be classed as open country. They may be redeemed, and they shall be released through the jubilee. As for the cities of the Leviim, the houses in the cities they hold, the Leviim shall forever have the right of redemption. Such property as may be redeemed from the Leviim, houses sold in a city they hold, shall be released through the Jubilee, for the houses in the cities of the Leviim are their holding among the Israelites. But the unenclosed land about their cities cannot be sold, for that is their holding for all time. If your kinsman, being in straits, comes under your authority, and you hold him, as though a resident alien, let him live by your side. Do not exact from him advance or accrued interest, but fear your God. Let him live by your side as your kinsman. Do not lend him your money at advance interest, or give him your food at accrued interest. I, Hashem, am your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan to be your God. If your kinsman under you continues in straits and must give himself over to you, do not subject him to the treatment of a slave. He shall remain with you as a hired or bound laborer. He shall serve with you only until the jubilee year. Judges 17.1-18.31 There was a man in the hill country of Ephraim whose name was Micah. He said to his mother, The eleven hundred shekels of silver that were taken from you, so that you uttered an imprecation which you repeated in my hearing, I have that silver. I took it. Blessed of Hashem be my son, said his mother. He returned the eleven hundred shekels of silver to his mother. But his mother said, I herewith consecrate the silver to the Lord, transferring it to my son to make a sculptured image and a molten image. I now return it to you. So when he gave the silver back to his mother, his mother took 200 shekels of silver and gave it to a smith. He made of it a sculptured image and a molten image, which were kept in the house of Micah. Now the man Micah had a house of Hashem. He had made an ephod and a teraphim, and he had inducted one of his sons to be his cohen. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did as he pleased. There was a young man from Beth Lechem of Yehuda, from the clan seat of Yehuda. He was a Levite and had resided there as a sojourner. This man had left the town of Beth Lechem of Yehuda to take up residence wherever he could find a place. On his way, he came to the house of Micah in the hill country of Ephraim. Where do you come from? Micah asked him. He replied, I am a Levite from Bet Lechem of Yehuda, and I am traveling to take up residence wherever I can find a place. Stay with me, Micah said to him, and be a father and a cohen to me, and I will pay you ten shekels of silver a year, an allowance of clothing, and your food. The Levite went. The Levite agreed to stay with the man, and the youth became like one of his own sons. Micah inducted the Levite, and the young man became his Kohen and remained in Micah's shrine. Now I know, Micah told himself, that Hashem will prosper me, since the Levite has become my Kohen. In those days there was no king in Israel, and in those days the tribe of Dan was seeking a territory in which to settle. For to that day no territory had fallen to their lot among the tribes of Israel. The Danites sent out five of their number from their clan seat at Zorah and Eshtael, valiant men, to spy out the land and explore it. Go, they told him, and explore the land. When they had advanced into the hill country of Ephraim as far as the house of Micah, they stopped there for the night. While in the vicinity of Micah's house, they recognized the speech of the young Levite. So they went over and asked him who brought you to these parts? What are you doing in this place? What is your business here? He replied, Thus and thus Micah did for me. He hired me and I became his Kohen. They said to him, Please inquire of Hashem. We would like to know if the mission on which we are going will be successful. Go in peace, the Kohen said to them. The Lord views with favor the mission you are going on the five men went on and came to Laish. They observed the people in it dwelling carefree after the manner of Sidonians, a tranquil and unsuspecting people, with no one in the land to molest them, and with no hereditary ruler. Moreover, they were distant from the Sidonians and had no dealings with anybody. When the men came back to their kinsmen at Zorah and Eshteol, their kinsmen asked them, How did you fare? They replied, "Let us go at once and attack them, for we found that the land was very good, and you are sitting idle. Don't delay. Go and invade the land and take possession of it. for Hashem has delivered it into your hand. When you come, you will come to an unsuspecting people, and the land is spacious, and nothing on earth is lacking there." They departed from there from the clan seat of the Danites from Zora and Eshtaol, 600 strong, girt with weapons of war. They went up and encamped at Kuri'at Yerim in Yehuda. That is why that place is called the camp of Dan to this day. It lies west of Kuri'at Yerim. From there they passed on to the hill country of Ephraim and arrived at the house of Micah. Here the five men who had gone to spy out the laish region remarked to their kinsmen, Do you know there is an ephod in these houses and teraphim and a sculptured image and a molten image? "'Now you know what you have to do.' So they turned off there and entered the home of the young Levite at Micah's house and greeted him. The six hundred Danite men, girt with the weapons of war, stood at the entrance of the gate, while the five men who had gone to spy out the land went inside and took the sculptured image, the ephod, the teraphim, and the molten image." The Kohen was standing at the entrance of the gate, and the six hundred men girt with their weapons of war, while those men entered Micah's house and took the sculptured image, the molten image, the ephod, and the household gods. The Kohen said to them, What are you doing? But they said to him, Be quiet, put your hand on your mouth. Come with us and be our father and Kohen. Would you rather be Kohen to one man's household? or be Kohan to a tribe and clan in Israel. The Kohan was delighted. He took the ephod, the household gods, and the sculptured image, and he joined the people. They set out again, placing the children, the cattle, and their household goods in front. They had already gone some distance from Micah's house when the men in the houses near Micah's mustered and caught up with the Danites. They called out to the Danites, who turned around and said to Micah, What's the matter? Why have you mustered? He said, You have taken my Kohen and the gods I made and walked off. What do I have left? How can you ask? What's the matter? But the Danites replied, Don't do any shouting at us, or some desperate men might attack you and your family would lose your lives. So Micah realized that they were stronger than he. He turned back and he went home, and the Danites went on their way taking the things that Micah had made and the Kohen he had acquired. They proceeded to Laish, a people tranquil and unsuspecting, they put them to the sword and burned down the town. There was none to come to the rescue, for it was distant from Sidon, and they had no dealings with anyone. It lay in the valley of Beth Rehob. They rebuilt the town and settled there, and they named the town Dan, after their ancestor Dan, who was Israel's son. Originally, however, the name of the town was Laish. The Danites set up the sculptured image for themselves, and Jonathan, son of Gershom, son of Manasseh, and his descendants served as Kohanim to the Danite tribe until the land went into exile. They maintained the sculptured image that Micah had made throughout the time that the house of Hashem stood at Shiloh. John Chapter 3, 1-21 to There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Yeshua by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. Yeshua answered and said to him, Verily, verily, I say to you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Yeshua answered, Verily, verily, I say to you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Marvel not, that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it lists, and you hear the sound thereof, but you cannot tell where it came from and where it goes. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Yeshua answered and said to him, Are you a master of Israel, and you do not know these things? Verily, verily, I say to you, we speak that we do not know that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and you receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believes on him is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of god and this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil for everyone that does evil hates the light neither comes to the light lest his deeds should be reproved but he that does truth comes to the light that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Psalm 104, 1-23 Bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord my God, you are very great, you are clothed with honor and majesty, who covers yourself with light as with a garment, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain, who lays the beams of his chambers in the waters, who makes the clouds his chariot, who walks upon the wings of the wind, who makes his angels spirits, his ministers a flaming fire, who laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be removed forever. You covered it with the deep. As with a garment, the waters stood above the mountains. At your rebuke they fled. At the voice of your thunder they hasted away. They go up by the mountains. They go down by the valleys into the place which you have founded for them. "'You have set a bound, that they may not pass over, "'that they turn not again to cover the earth. "'He sends the springs into the valleys, "'which run among the hills. "'They give drink to every beast of the field. "'The wild donkeys quench their thirst. "'By them shall the fowls of the heaven have their habitation, "'which sing among the branches. "'He waters the hills from his chambers. "'The earth is satisfied with the fruit.' Of your works. He causes the grass to grow for the cattle and herb for the service of man, that he may bring forth food out of the earth, and wine that makes glad the heart of man, and oil to make his face to shine, and bread which strengthens man's heart. The trees of Yahweh are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon which he has planted, where the birds make their nests. As for the stork, the fir trees are her house. The high hills are a refuge for the wild goats and the rocks for the conies. He appointed the moon for seasons. The sun knows his going down. You make darkness and it is night, wherein all the beasts of the forest do creep forth. The young lions roar after their prey and seek their meat from Yahweh. The sun arises and they gather themselves together and they lay them down in their dens. Man goes forth. To his work and to his labor until the evening. Proverbs 14, 20-21 The poor is hated even of his own neighbor, but the rich has many friends. He that despises his neighbor sins, but he that has mercy on the poor, happy is he." I'd like to speak to you today from our Torah portion from Leviticus 25, then we're going to jump into Judges chapter 18, and then we'll jump into John chapter 3. And I want to zoom in on Leviticus chapter 25, verse 21. I will ordain my blessing for you in the sixth year, so that it shall yield a crop sufficient for three years. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. Chapter 25 describes the blessing of the sabbatical year, which is often cited as one of the proofs of the divinity of the Bible. Verses 20 and 21 state, And you should ask, what are we to eat in the seventh year, if we may neither sow nor gather in our crops? I will adrain my blessing for you in the sixth year, so that it shall yield a crop sufficient for three years. No human being would ever make such an audacious guarantee, essentially sentencing the entire nation to starve every seventh year. Certainly, after one failed cycle, no one would obey the sabbatical restrictions again. Only the one true God could make and keep such a grandiose promise. Now let's jump into Judges chapter 17 and 18, and we see a new character, Micah, and he is basically a pagan. He takes the silver shekels from his mother and uses them to make a household idol. Then he hires a kohen, a priest, who is his own personal private priest. Then later on, the Danites come, and they capture this Kohen and say to him, Hey, how would you like to be the Kohen, the priest of a whole tribe, rather than just for one man and one household? So the Kohen goes with the Danites, and the Danites wipe out an entire village, and then they take it over. Once they've killed all the inhabitants there, then they just take the village over. Now, in chapter 18, verse 30, it is written, the Danites set up the sculptured image for themselves, and Jonathan, son of Gershom, son of Manasseh, and his descendants served as Kohenim to the Danites until the land went into exile. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. The idolatrous priest, Jonathan, is identified as being the son of Gershom, the son of Manasseh. However, Rashi writes that Jonathan's actual grandfather was Moses. Out of respect for the greatest prophet in history, the prophet Samuel, who authored this book, disguised Moses' name, inserting the letter Nun between the first two letters Mem and Sheen. The sad fact is that the grandson of Moses left the ways of the Torah. This tragic betrayal was the result of living in a society that was spiritually adrift. Clearly. If this can happen to a grandchild of the greatest prophet in history, it can happen to any person in any family. Moses' grandson, Jonathan, is a sobering reminder of the importance of making sure that our children are surrounded by positive role models and have a strong religious education and grow up in a just society that seeks to do Hashem's will. Wow, that's a really interesting comment and something to really think about and pray about. I think that it takes away a lot of condemnation, blame and guilt off of parents who've done everything they can to raise their children in the way that they should go. Taking them to church, reading them the Bible, praying over them, doing all the right things, so you think. And yet they end up turning away from the Lord. And the pull of the world is very, very strong. Often we lose our kids when they go off to college. And the... Worldly uh, influence in the colleges is very strong. And in fact, the leftist liberal agenda is very present in colleges, even private colleges, even so-called Christian colleges. So really, the most important thing that we can do for our kids is really, you know, raise them in the way they should go, but also to pray for them. Now I want to jump into John chapter 3 because it's actually related to what we're just talking about. And probably one of the greatest miracles that can ever happen to a person is that they get born again. And actually, for a person to be born again, what happens first is a person repents. And that's a miracle. That doesn't happen very often. Most of the time, Our flesh is very strong and we have tons of pride and we have all kinds of uh, walls that we put out there. We play the blame game and we shift responsibility on others and we have hardness of heart and anger and pride and really very few people actually repent. And when I say repent, I don't just mean remorse where you feel sorry about your sin, but you actually Uh, come to the end of yourself and cry out to God and ask Yeshua to come into your heart and take over and take charge. We like to be in charge. We like to be in control. But when we repent, we're letting Yeshua be the man in charge within us and be the overseer over our soul. And this is what Nicodemus came to Yeshua to talk to him about late at night. And Yeshua and Nicodemus have this interesting conversation. And basically, Yeshua is explaining to him that you must be born again. And Nicodemus doesn't get it. He's taking his words literally. He's saying, how can a man crawl back in the woman be born again? And Yeshua answers and says, well, flesh is born of flesh and spirit is born of spirit. You can't see the wind, which way it goes, but you see the effect it has. And so it is with the spirit. You can't see where it came from or where it's going, but it's like the wind. And then he goes on to say in verse 14, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So he's making a direct comparison to the story from, I think it's in Numbers when all the snakes and serpents are going through the camp and people are getting bit and are dying. And then Mo- Moses is instructed of the Lord to put a bronze serpent up on a staff and hold it up. And for everyone who gazes and looks upon this bronze serpent, they would be healed. The poison from the snake would not kill them. And this is a remez hint pointing to Yeshua. He hangs upon the cross. And when we look to him, when we gaze upon him, when we look to him and receive him as our Savior to rescue us and redeem us from our sin, then we are saved from sin's power and sin's destruction. And the wages of sin is death. It is truly a miracle when a person truly repents and gives their life over to Yeshua. We talk about it a lot. We preach it for, for it to actually happen where there's a changed life. It's rare. It's very rare. I've heard a friend of mine say often, a leopard doesn't change its spots. And by and large, it's true. If somebody is bent towards evil, bent towards hardness of heart and stubbornness and being selfish and self-centered, they're probably not going to change. But God, when a person does repent and they ask the Lord to put his spirit within them and asks him to take out the heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh, that's when the leopard can change its spots. So. It's truly a miracle. You probably have people in your life, could be a spouse, a son-in-law, a daughter, loved ones in your life who are not right with God and who are in a worldly path and who are following a path of destruction. And so I just want to encourage you, keep on praying for them. Ask God to orchestrate circumstances in their life where they will come to the end of themselves and they will yield and they will surrender and they will give their heart to Yeshua. This can take a long time, but I am seeing that. There's a family member of mine that I have prayed for for many years. And this family member was in rebellion and was very stubborn and stiff-necked and was doing her own thing for a long time. But now God has orchestrated in this family member's life, And there's been much suffering, a lot of crushing, a lot of uh, trial and difficulty, pain and sorrow. And now this family member is finally coming to the end of themselves and crying out to God and looking up. And that's often what it takes. It takes a crushing event, a, a defining moment for a person to finally Yield and surrender and give their life over to Yeshua. How did you come to Yeshua? How did you get born again? How did that happen to, for you? I'd like to hear your story. Share with me. Send me an email at bridgeconnector@startmail.com. That's bridgeconnector@startmail.com. Have a blessed day. Continue to pray for your loved ones, and we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> Hanav ilaka vikunneka Yisa Adonai Hanav ilaka Vaisen leka leka